Well, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about getting to speak again today in this second service. And uh, uh, we had a great first service and uh, we are so excited about what you guys are doing here in this church. And, and I tell you the generosity of this church. I mean, I, I've been amazed ever since the, the first few times I came here at the, the, the generosity that you guys have. And you watched our, our wave video and we wanted you to experience some of what happened there in Daytona. And it was because of your giving, because you invested in the life of these students that we were able to do what we were able to do. And, and uh, it, I just wanna thank you so much for that and for what God's doing and for what God's done in our student ministry. And uh, I just pray and hope that he'll continue to do that. Can, can I be real honest with you this morning before I get into the message? I get frustrated trying to sing and clap at the same time. <laughs> My wife will tell you that. If you see me clapping and not singing, it's because I can't do it. Okay, and I can't clap unless I watch somebody clap, okay? Because I don't have a whole lot of rhythm. I mean, I really don't. But, but if we kind of go back to the future a little bit, uh, I get frustrated trying to dance. I am not a dancing machine, okay? Uh, and, and my mind kind of goes back to, to when I was in the ninth grade. I had been at this real legalistic private school and I was so excited to be in a public high school. And I heard there was going to be a dance on Friday night. Well, these rhythmless legs started trying to move. And I'd get in the, the mirror and I'd practice my John Travolta move, you know, the Saturday Night Fever dance. And I was just so excited to get there to that dance and, and just, you know, just have a ball. And so I didn't really care a whole lot about the football game. I was just ready to get to the dance. And, and I remember getting to that dance and, and you know, I, I got to that dance and, and I looked over there and I was trying to figure out, you know, if I could get somebody to dance with me. And I saw this one girl that at least waved at me in the hallway, you know. And uh, so I went over to her and I said, hey, would you like to dance? She said, no. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. So, uh, I thought, okay, Talbert, let's try it again. So I got me a little different strategy and, you know, saw this other young lady and walked over to her and I said, hey, I'd love to dance with you. I bet you're a great dancer. Would you love to dance? She said, not with you, freshman. And I'm like, okay, that's two strikes. It ain't looking good here. And uh, so I just thought, man, this, this can't happen this way. This is not, you know, what they say it's like. And then uh, I noticed over in the corner was a young lady dancing by herself. And I thought, there it is right there. I guarantee you, she will love to dance with me. And so I went over there and I said, hey, would you like to dance? You probably don't want to dance. And she just grabbed my arm and drags me out to the middle of the dance floor. Now, she was not no ordinary dancer, okay? I'm doing my John Travolta thing and she's doing a, a combination of the twist, the chicken dance, and, and the bus stop. I don't know what all this girl was doing, okay? All I know was everybody around the stopped and was looking at the two stupid freshman out in the middle of the floor, okay? And so I was frustrated. Now, most of you are thinking, well, Pastor Stephen, why in the world are you saying something about your freshman dancing in frustration? Let me tell you why I'm saying that. Because there's a lot of you here this morning, you're frustrated spiritually. There's no rhythm to your spiritual life. You're just going through the motions and it doesn't seem like it's working for you right now. You're frustrated. In fact, you're not where you want to be in life and, and it just doesn't seem like things are working out. You've let yourself down. You've done something that you believed you'd never do. 
that same old sin just continues to creep into your life and, and you continue to battle it and you're kind of like Paul where he says, that that I don't want to do, I do, okay? But that that I don't want to do, I do. And we get totally confused there. But this morning, we're going to look into the life of King David. And King David was a frustrated man. He, he was down on himself and, and, and he had let his family down. He'd let his God down. He'd let his kingdom down. And he did something that he thought that he would never do. He let his thoughts drift away from God and he ended up committing adultery with another man's wife. And then he had that woman's husband sent to battle so that he would be killed. And his sin left him feeling guilty and ashamed and totally frustrated. Psalms 51 is where we're going to be mostly this morning. But it, it, it's a picture of where David's mind was. It, it's a picture of remorse. It's a, a dialogue of David's repentance, his pain and his hurt. It's a dialogue of, of the way back to God. His brokenness jumps from the words he says. You can almost feel the emotional distress he's in. As, as we read his words, you can't miss the frustration that's in his heart. This passage of scripture is a roadmap for us when we're frustrated, when we're broken, when we're emotionally drained. We let our weakness overcome us. We miss the mark that we set for ourselves. We never thought this could happen to us. We never thought we would do this, but we did. I want you to see the humility in the words of King David, the words that he writes to his heavenly father and to us in Psalms 51. Look at what he says here. It should be on the screen for you. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. Purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. And then he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Have you ever felt this way? Can you relate to David? Look what he says. Look at his frustration. It haunts me day and night. Is there something in your life like that? Oh, give me back my joy. The guilt is killing me. Verse 10 is where I want us to focus this morning because I believe it's, it's not just, just David's cry out to God. It's not just his prayer, but it's a word for us. Look what he says. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. I want to focus on this verse this morning and I want to challenge you to put your dancing shoes on. Will you do that with me? Because I believe there's a few great a few just great principles here that we can see in this passage, and I think it relates to our frustration and it relates to our brokenness. 
And it starts with a humble spirit. That's where it starts. That's, that's where David started after his sin, after his rebellion, after what he had done. We need a humble spirit. David had a humble spirit. His prayer is a prayer of humility. You know, when I think about our Pastor Phil, one thing that jumps out about me as Pastor Phil is his humility. And as I got to know him, it, it, it came out immediately. It wasn't something, it wasn't something that he put on. It wasn't something he tried to do. It, it's who he is. And, and you know, that's a, just a great attribute. And, and I appreciate that in him. And it's contagious. But David had a humble spirit. And when he said, create in me a clean heart, O God. David knew he had a relationship with Jesus. He was even close to God. He'd seen God do great things, amazing things in his life. But in spite of all that, he had sinned majorly against God. And I believe in this pastor's scripture, he's saying he knew what he did not possess. And that was a clean heart. Some of you this morning can relate to that. Where you are in your life, you've had a good relationship with God. You've seen him do amazing things in your life. You've seen powerful things happen. But you're in a situation right now where you know your heart is not clean. The word create in this passage of scripture is the same word that is used in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. It means to bring into existence something that did not exist before. The Bible began with creation and it's something that continues throughout scripture. It is God creating something in you that didn't exist before. That's, that's what he's telling us here. He said, God, I don't have a clean heart and I can't create a clean heart, but God, I know that you can. David responded to his frustration with a humble spirit. And I think that's where we need to start in our frustration. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is, is Romans chapter 12 and verse one and two. And it's a verse that I've had a number of sermons on. I challenge our students with that passage of scripture a lot of times. And, and it's written by Paul, a, a man that spent a lot of his life in prison. And, and that's where he wrote these numerous books that, that are written by him in the Bible. And Romans chapter 12, verse two, look what it says there. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and perfect and pleasing. It's, it's interesting though, as, as I look at this passage of scripture, and we're gonna get back to it in, in a minute, but it's interesting how Paul, the author of this passage of scripture, talked about transformation and, and changing your mind. And then in the next verse, he gives us a huge warning that I think is a warning to us as followers of Jesus. It's a lesson in humility. And look what it says. Verse three, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluations of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. That word is for a lot of us today. That word is for a lot of us as followers of Jesus because sometimes we just think we're there. 
We think we've got it made. We think because of this and that, that, that you know, we, we've got a, you know, something that others don't have. And we do. But it's not about us. You see, the minute you think you've arrived is when Satan starts turning you into a Pharisee. And you begin to start thinking, what a good person I am. Have you seen how good I am? Can I tell you how good I am? Look what a good heart I have. And before you know it, your heart is stained with pride. And you know what comes after pride? A fall. If it happened to David, the king of Israel, God's anointed, then it can happen to you. So I hope you understand. You cannot create, yourself, create for yourself a clean heart. Some of us suffer from what I call the barnyard tragedy. Can I tell you about the barnyard tragedy? There was a rooster. And the rooster lived among the chickens, the hens, the sheep, and the goats. And when the sun came up, the rooster crowed, and he would wake up the hen, the sheep, and the goats, and the farmer, and even the farmer's wife. And every morning when the sun came up and the rooster crowed, but one day the rooster came across some foul logic. The rooster reversed cause and effect. The rooster forgot he crowed because the sun came up and he began to think the sun came up because he crowed. If I don't wake up, he thought, the sun won't come up. And finally at the end, it all ended as a barnyard tragedy. And they carried him off to the home for disturbed roosters because he thought the world depended on him crowing. Whew, doesn't that sound familiar to us sometimes? David knew what he didn't possess and he humbled himself before God. We need a humble spirit. A humble spirit. That's the first step in our frustration. But David displays something else here in this passage of scripture. Not only do we need a humble spirit, we need a teachable spirit. Guys, be sure we understand this. We're talking the most powerful man in the world. We're talking a man that was anointed by God. We're talking about a king. And he knew that he needed a teachable spirit. Can I tell you something? You can't have a humble spirit if you don't have a teachable spirit. You can't be reachable and teachable if you don't have a humble spirit. You've got to humble yourself. I was amazed a number of years ago and, and uh, there was a pastor named W.A. Criswell and some of you know who he is, Pastor Phil probably does. And you know he's one of the most famous pastors in America at the time. And uh, he was in his 70s, and there's, there's this guy that came along by the name of Rick Warren who wrote The Purpose Driven Life. And Rick Warren was just used by God and continued to be used by God. And Rick tells the story that one day he was doing a seminar, and he looked out in the audience, and there was 70-something-year-old W.A. Criswell. And he, he went up to Dr. Criswell and said, what in the world are you doing here? He said, I wanted to learn from you, little Ricky. I wanted to learn from you. He was teachable. And, and, and he was willing to learn. Look what Romans 12, 2 says again. Let God transform you into a new 
person, by being so godly and prideful. No, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When we have a teachable spirit, we allow God and other people to speak truth into our lives. God can't change you, make something to exist where it did not exist if you're still thinking the same thoughts. So don't be like the daughter who kept cutting off the ends of the ham. A newly married couple had been married a number of months and, and, and the, 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 the man noticed that every time his wife would cook a ham, she would cut the two ends off of it. And he thought, that's strange. She's just wasting some good ham. So after uh, being married long enough, he asked her, he said, why in the world do you keep cutting the ends off of the ham? And she says, well, I'll tell you why. Because my mother cut the ends off of that ham and my mother made the best ham there is. And he, she says, if you want to know why I do it, you can call my mother. So that's what he did. He called his mother-in-law and said, hey, could you please tell me my daughter cuts the ends, good ends off the ham, and I just don't understand why she cuts the ends off the ham. And she says, okay, all right. I cut the ends off of the ham because my mother always cut the ends off of the ham and my hams are pretty good. But if you really want to know and if you're that taken back by me cutting the ends off my ham, you can call my mother. He said, okay. So he asked his wife, he said, you mind if I call grandma and ask her about the ham cutting off thing? She says, no, go ahead. That'll be fine. So he does that. He calls and tells grandma, said, hey, I've got a question for you. And she says, okay, sonny. She says, could you please tell me? And he went through the whole story about his wife cutting ends off the ham, her mother cutting ends off the ham. And he, and he said, could you please tell me why in the world are you cutting the ends off the ham? She said, oh, it's a simple thing. I'll tell you right quickly. My pan was too small. <laughs> now listen to me this morning. Can I tell you what's wrong with your thinking? Your pan's too small. You're not thinking the right things. You're so tied up on something that used to be, something that happened to you, something that somebody said to you. You need a bigger pan. We need a bigger pan in the church. We need a bigger pan in our life. Parents, you need a bigger pan in the life of your children. You need to expect more. We need a bigger pan. And then here's what we need to do. We need to think about what we think about. Do you hear that? We don't think about what we say, but we need to think about what we think about. Don't believe everything you think, okay? It doesn't make it true. If you think because you think it, it makes it true, then, you know, see, we have an amazing ability to lie to ourselves. We'll see somebody doing something and we'll think immediately that they're doing it to you. You can't even read without your glasses, but you can see what's happening 40 feet away and you've got bionic ears. <laughs> you know what we do, what we're good at? We lie to ourselves, And Satan will use those lies to influence negative thoughts that don't need to be there. Listen to me this morning. Quit lying to yourself. 
Quit believing the lies you tell yourself. Just because your parents did something to you, just because your parents did something one way, it doesn't mean you have to do it that way. Just because they said something about you doesn't mean that's true. Just because somebody else says something to you doesn't mean that that's true. Because we move in the directions of our thoughts. And if we entertain that thought, then it will affect us. Let me ask you a question. Are your thoughts moving you in the right direction? Think about what you think about. We have Jesus in our heart, but we have lies in our mind. That's why we're frustrated. That's why we're not experiencing God the way we were experiencing him. The foundation for transformation of character and conduct, the Bible says, is a renewed mind. A new set of convictions. A new way to look at things. God didn't send his son here on earth to die on a cross just for you and me to go to heaven. He wants you to become a new person. Watch this. He wants to create a new person in you. And that happens as we change the way we think. You see, I'm amazed in being in, in student ministry with students and seeing things. And, and I've seen this for many, many years that I, I've, I've seen, you know, times when students would feel like that, that they had not accepted Christ. And sometimes that was the case. It was just a head decision or something they made when they were young. But a lot of times I would see that when somebody would make a, another decision or say that they had gotten saved again, and some of you have struggled with this also, it wasn't a matter of knowing Jesus Christ and having him in your heart. It was a matter of not having a clean heart. And see, when you don't have a clean heart, it interrupts what God wants to do in your life. It interrupts the power of God so you're not effective. And, and we need to see that. You know what happens when you seek a humble spirit and have a teachable spirit? Your attitude changes. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody need an attitude changement in the house today? You know, I'm amazed sometimes when we call ourselves Christian and we have an attitude we have. Isn't that amazing? You can control your attitude. Let me tell you why. The other day I was riding through the parking lot there at the sports club and there was a friend of mine and I blew the horn at him just like crazy. He was ready, just he was thinking, uh-huh, we're fixing to go. And then he looked around and he saw it was me. His attitude changed immediately. Guys, you're in control of your attitude. If you're not, you're letting somebody else control you and you're not controlling yourself. Some of you, that's a parent. Some of you, it's an old spouse. You don't have to have that attitude. Now, let me ask you a question. How teachable are you? How teachable are you? Never stop learning. My kids teach me stuff every day. Like, Daddy, you are not going to wear that with us. <laughs> Them shoes look like corrective shoes. Please put something else on. <laughs> Any of you ever been there? But on a serious note, I, I'm amazed what, what my children teach me now. I'm amazed at what these students teach me. I'm amazed at how strong you guys are. I'm amazed at what some of you can go through. And still have the faith and the power and the love and the attitude you have. 
When you hear some of their stories, guys, I think, oh my God, please let your prayers, your presence be with them. Oh my God, thank you for a church that loves these students. Thank you for youth workers that love these students. These youth workers teach me stuff all the time. Our staff teaches me stuff. See, that's the good thing about being older and everybody on staff. They can teach you stuff. <laughs> and they teach me stuff all the time. They really do. Listen to me, parents. Don't expect your children to be teachable if you're not teachable. Okay? David taught us to have a humble spirit and a teachable spirit. Look back at verse 51 again, and let's look at the last part of that verse there. The first part again says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, or bring into existence that which never was. And then he says, And renew a right spirit or a loyal spirit within me. The word there, renew, could be better understood as make your spirit constant in me. Do any of you struggle with that? He's what he's saying. He says, God, I, I need to have that consistent spirit. Not something that comes and goes, but an ever-present spirit. And then David also, he didn't just say that he needed and we need a humble spirit or a teachable spirit, but he also recognized the importance of a fresh spirit. Look, look what Ephesians chapter 4 says there, verse 23, the last part of that. It says, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Constantly, consistently renewed. Our spirit needs to be renewed. It's not a one-time thing. We need a fresh spirit. Can I paraphrase that just for a minute in, into everyday good old Greer language? We need to have a fresh mental and spiritual attitude fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Guys, it's not a one-time thing. It's a process. It's a process that, that happens as, as we grow into it. To be renewed in your spirit in this passage right here literally means to be made young again. Now, I like that. I like that. A fresh beginning. How many of you could say to me, Pastor Stephen, I, I just need a fresh beginning. I need a new anointing of the Holy Spirit of God on my life. I need to feel his presence again like, like the band was singing about. And, and I really love another part, another, another interpretation that verse says, to reverse the decay. To reverse the decay. In other words, that thing in your life that just keeps eating at you, that sin that Satan keeps throwing into you, that thought that you just can't seem to get rid of that has been pumped into you. You see, it's hard to have a good attitude if you're frustrated at yourself. But it's also hard to have a bad attitude if you have a humble spirit. It's hard to have a bad attitude if you have a teachable spirit. The attitude that you possess is in direct relationship to your thoughts. Why don't you start by being grateful instead of hateful? Quit reacting and start responding. 
It's not what you are, but what you're becoming. Not what they said about you, but what Jesus said about you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that I am a new creation, that God is creating in me something that didn't exist before. It's not a one-time thing. Creation is something that goes completely all the way through the Bible. And God is continuously wanting to, to create in you something that didn't exist before with his spirit and with his power. Can I read to you this passage of scripture that we looked at today in the message, paraphrase, or translation of the Bible, whatever you want to call it? Will you listen to the words of this and, and maybe let it comfort you and just claim that? Soak me in your laundry and I'll come out clean. Scrub me and I'll have a snow white life. Tune me into foot tamping songs tapping songs set those once broken bones to dancing don't look too close for blemishes give me a clean bill of health and God make a fresh start in me shape a Genesis week from all the chaos of my life is that your prayer this morning Maybe some of you need to take this and, and go Google it if you don't have the Message Bible. Put that up on the mirror somewhere so you can read it every day and you tell yourself who you are. God can put those old unrhythmic spiritual feet back to dancing again. He can bring back that fresh spirit that you have. You see, I believe this message was really for two types of people this morning. Number one, it was for those of you that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know him, you've seen him do great, powerful things in your life. You know that he's there, but you don't have a clean heart. Your heart's not clean. This morning, God is speaking to you and saying, you need to get a clean heart. You need to let me clean up your heart. But I believe there's a second group here this morning. You're investigating Christianity. And you really not, are not sure if you want to be a follower of Jesus. You're not sure if you can do that. You're not sure if that's for you. But this morning, the Spirit of God has tapped into you. You see, when we think about King David had an adulterous affair he sent a man to battle so that he would be killed. And what did God say about him? He's a man after my own heart. I don't think there's any murderers in the house. And that may be what's holding you back. You think you're not good enough for God. But let me tell you something, I wanna worship and praise a God that would look at a man sinful like me and sinful like King David and say, he's a man after my own heart. That's the Jesus that's in the Bible. That's the God we serve. That's the spirit that wants to possess you. I want you just to bow your heads with me. The minute the praise team's gonna come and close us out with another great song. But I just wanna ask you there, Every eye bowed, nobody looking around. I just want to ask you this morning. Did 
the Spirit of God speak to you this morning? Are you that person that you've been investigating Christianity, you've been investigating God, and you're just a spectator? But this morning, the Spirit of God came across to you and came to you, and you need to ask the God of heaven to step out of heaven into your heart through Jesus Christ and make you a clean and new person. If that's where you're at this morning, would you just look up at me real quickly and put your head back down? Thank you back there, buddy. Anybody else? Just look up at me. Thank you right there. Who else would say, I just need to know Jesus this morning. I need him to step out of heaven and step into my heart. Anybody else out there I didn't see? Thank you. And then there's those of you here today. You just need that clean, fresh heart again. You need a fresh spirit, a fresh anointing. And I pray that as we worship and as we sing, that you'll just ask for that spirit of God to come and just give you that fresh anointing, to renew you, so that when you walk out this door today, that you will just be like you're beginning again. You'll be fresh again. Heavenly Father, we give this time to you. It's your time, Father. It was your time. It was your word. Father, we thank you for this church and for what you're doing. And God, we just thank you for everybody that you're bringing here. Thank you for Pastor Phil, Father God. Lord, I lift up those here today that have asked you to come into their heart. They've asked to be a follower of yours, Father God. They've asked for your grace and your mercy. And Father, I I, I pray for that believer, that that Christian that just needs to dance again. They need to get into motion. Father, may that happen. In your holy name we pray. Amen.